This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast revisiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Invasion America, episodes three and four. Your father and I would come here to communicate with Tyrus. Tyrus, what's that? Another planet around another sun. You're nuts. Listen to me. The planet Tyrus has a civilization 10,000 years old. Half of you, David, is of that place. What are you saying, that I'm half alien? Your father was Tyrusian. You are crazy. No, David. The proof is within you. Look at my eyes. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast with a self-destruct mechanism, but I won't tell you where. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Yosh. That means awesome. I knew that was going to be the first thing out of your mind. <laughs> Yosh? They couldn't come up with anything better than Yosh? I like Yosh. Okay, well, well, we'll go with it then, if you like it. It's fun. Yosh. Yosh. I'm going to start saying it around the office. If there's one way to get people to think I'm cool, is to start quoting a uh, failed sci-fi cartoon from, what year was this, 1998? Something like that. <laughs> Yosh. Speaking of... I have a little uh, a little bit of info background here on the uh, creation or the creative team behind Old Ava- Invasion America, and I don't know if you've looked into them at all. I do know the two main people, but uh, for everyone else listening, let's do it. Oh, uh, well, this, this is not going to be fun then, because I have a little game for you. <laughs> well, let's see how fun it is. <laughs> and then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's definitely not going to work if you know. So uh, I was just going to say to you that um, the creative team behind this has been involved in three uh things we have watched before two series and one tv movie and i was gonna quiz you to see if you knew i still may actually not do very well because as you know my memory is like a sieve so well go for it go ahead (laughs) oh oh oh, i thought you were gonna give me some options oh okay Um, no uh of everything we've ever watched um (laughs) one was i know the one dude did um uh uh is invisible man is that what it's called no (laughs) what was that one called Minute Man? What was that one called? I do like watching you struggle to remember things that we did. <laughs> you know what it was called. The guy, he wore like a, a jean jacket with like roses on it. What was that one called? Gemini Man. Gemini Man. <laughs> Help me out here. Gemini Man. He did that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was Harv Bennett, correct? Yes. I, I think we said last time, he's really prolific. And I think Spielberg is involved in some way. And I can't remember what Spielberg also did oh it was um was it earth 2 yep earth 2 and then there's one other one huh there's a tv movie a tv movie that they were involved in i don't know let's say uh, uh the osiris chronicles incorrect oh <laughs> uh, i don't know what, what's what's the tv movie it was the astronaut that's uh, the other harv, harv bennett we've watched oh right 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 yeah that was weird remember that was like a weird like uh drama play it was great. I loved it. Yeah, you love the scenes where they were like the couple, like smashing mirrors and crying together. They were having a real romantic tension. <laughs> there was a lot of tension. But yes, I guess uh, Jordan, as you said, the two creators behind the show are Steven Spielberg and Harv Bennett. Um, of course, everyone knows who Steven Spielberg is. But uh, for I think her... everyone knows who Harv Bennett is after listening to this podcast. Well, well, just as a reminder, then <laughs> we'll just say he was the producer of Star Trek's 
two through five. And then uh, he kind of has a pretty prolific career, lots and lots of stuff. But this is actually his final series he was ever involved in. Oh, is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think everything was working towards this show? Everything he learned, all the skills, all the tools, all the knowledge was put into this show about aliens with slightly larger eyeballs. I think this is just what killed his career. That's all. (laughs) That's not nice. Um, But the actual idea for this was based on an idea that Steven Spielberg had been apparently developing for like a decade. Really? He uh, he'd been kicking it around his office. There'd been various incarnations of like what this might be until he sort of brought it to Harv Bennett with the idea of like, why don't we try to do an animated primetime miniseries? And so Harv Bennett came in to be the showrunner on it, basically. So this is primarily a Steven Spielberg idea that Harv Bennett developed. But what do you think was the original idea? Just half alien boy learns he's the chosen one? Yeah, hybrid alien prince discovers his chosen one. Classic uh, story as old as time. So he, Spielberg didn't really come up with a great idea. I mean, he's just an idea. It didn't I'm have just to be saying, great. for an idea to, to think about for 10 years. Well, you know, he couldn't figure out how to make it work, obviously. That's, That's why he true. brought Harv Bennett in. That's what I do anytime Harv, I you, have a problem. You take it from here. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Harv. Look, I've been working on this for 10 years. What's the idea? You're like, oh, it's an alien boy. He's like, "Uh, okay, I can write something. I did Gemini Man. I can do this. (laughs) I did Gemini Man. I can do anything. Well, um, I've got one more little thing, which I think is going to be more important for you or perhaps uh, little childhood Jordan, maybe. Oh, yeah. We all love little childhood Jordan. He's such a scamp. It was before the world crushed him. Uh, one of the three writers, basically the three writers who divided up these episodes, and I believe he's the one who wrote the most of these episodes of the series. I have a feeling he probably affected your childhood in uh, a, a major way. Oh, okay. He was uh, Michael Reeves, the writer of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, I did like that movie. And a cartoon I really enjoyed. It was, uh, yeah, it was a strange moment in time. It was like 93, maybe, where abruptly a Batman cartoon came out theatrically. Well, I think what it was, was it was just supposed to be a longer televised episode. And I think last minute they were like, this is, we can play this in theaters. Yeah, I, I did a quick little bit of research on it. Cause I'm like, I remember when that weird Batman cartoon for inexplicably was in theaters for a hot second. And mm-hmm. then there were no more ever again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a Apparently, it was like a direct-to-VHS kind of movie they were going to make. And before it was made, they changed their mind. and were like, let's put it in theaters. And they gave them an eight-month turnaround to do it. I mean, I think it turned out pretty well, though, still. It is remarkable. It certainly like hit a cultural zeitgeist. And to find out that it was just like a rush job, I'm like, wow, they did a good job with that. That's nice, though, to know that you know uh, sometimes that happens, that people are put under this uh, pressure to have unrealistic goals, and they do it. And you're like, yeah, well done, yeah. Batman Mask of the Phantasm team. They pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the creative team behind it, which is an interesting. Like it's a pretty prolific creative team, but I think it clearly shows that maybe the core concept wasn't very fleshed out. And I'm sure Harv did his best, but um, it does. Since this is truly the last thing he was ever involved with, I don't think it was great for him. I think you're right. You make an interesting point there, and I I think it's something that we've mentioned in the previous podcast, and I assume we'll be mentioning on this and and future ones. Is I think the major issue of this and not that necessarily makes it a bad show but i think a drawback is there doesn't seem to be a lot of plot to justify the episodes or at least the length of the episodes that we have for sure i mean it's interesting there's a lot of promotion around the show was that right lots and lots of articles 
people were really writing about it because it's like they're like Harv Bennett's here, Spielberg's here. It's going to be the first ever animated adult sci-fi show for primetime. So they really pushed this really, really hard. But as uh, this one this one review from the L.A. Times, I'm going to I'm going to read you the final closing line of the review. Mm-hmm. The assault on Earth begins Tuesday. The assault on your intelligence begins tonight. <laughs> Burn. He typed that final word and just spun off his chair. He's like, done. <laughs> but I think that's what it is. They put a lot of promo into it. But I think, unfortunately, I am sure they knew they had a pretty weak product to go along with it. So, Because mm-hmm. um, you'll notice Harv Bennett does all of the interviews for the show and mentions Spielberg a lot. But there's no interviews with Spielberg about it. He was already into, what was he, what was he doing at this time? He was already into... 98? Amistad or something? 98? I, I think Amistad might have been earlier than this, right? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember his his oeuvre. His oeuvre. You're not a you're not a completist. I think at a certain point, I just he was making movies I wasn't that interested in anymore. Not uh, Ready Player One. I never saw that. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that's kind of the interesting background. Like I'm surprised. I was surprised to find out what an illustrious team kind of was behind mm. it. Uh, you know, I think probably noble intentions, but uh, that's about it. <laughs> I think there is definitely some level of care into the actual production of this cartoon. But perhaps not the writing of it. Perhaps not the writing. I don't know. It's, it's not even the writing is bad. I think it's just, I think there's way too many episodes for the very simplistic story they're trying to tell. Yeah, that's a reasonable criticism. That's probably the best way of actually getting into what's wrong with it. Yeah. But saying all that, I don't want you to turn off your podcast. So let's get into episode three. Click. Yeah. Is that what how they, that's how the kids do it. They just click off. Yeah, you click off. Yeah. Click off, Jordan. Click off, man. Yosh. Here's the IMDb summary for episode three. Flight. After his home is destroyed, David Carter and Rafe escape to Maple Island, where David learns of his Tyrusian heritage. They contact a Tyrusian ship and begin planning their next steps. You know, of all the shows we've watched, I think this might be one of the hardest shows to write synopses for, because these two episodes combined that we're going to be speaking about barely make one episode in terms of something you could write a a synopsis for i mean it's a very good synopsis for this because essentially it picks up exactly where the last episode ended david's house has just imploded and he and rafe are on the run they grab i guess the family boat because the boat is named (laughs) rita's dream it is the family boat yeah does your family have a boat and uh, yeah it's a little dinghy we ride around in it yeah what's it called though uh, it's called uh, Luke's Dreams. Nice, nice. It's got a big hole. That's not very good. I couldn't come up with something on the spot. No, no, it's Luke's Dreams. It's got it's it's all patched up. It has some holes, but it's still being lovingly repaired. I mean, no, it's just sinking. It sinks <laughs> the oh man. Um, but yeah, they head out to their cottage located on Old Maple Island. Now, let me ask you this: This is going to become a you know part of the plot as we go. Are they the only cabin? in this area because it sure seems like it and if so is that not then a bad hiding space well initially it was like don't go on the run and then go to an island you're trapping yourself but it did make me realize like it does seem to be the only cottage it seems completely uninhabited do they own an island it sure seems like it but it also the island's humongous because we have like caves and stuff later on i'm not sure it was the best idea for rafe but who am i who am i to criticize well, I mean, the reason they do go there to this cottage is, as you quickly find out, the cottage has a buried alien technology command center underneath it that you can use a, like, magical alien-like elevator to get down to. Yeah, yeah. It's like the floor opens up into, like, a perfect circle, and 
what it seems like and luke correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like it's almost that their technology has light that becomes solid that you can ride on i think it's the second time we've seen it first we saw instead of a sort of drawbridge coming out of a ship it was a beam of light they walked on and this is the same it's a beam of light that slowly starts taking you down like an elevator Mm, light technology Mm -hmm. well everything's light technology and those that globe ball that we saw that destroyed the house apparently those are also used to communicate and help fly ships yeah i think it's a bit of a mistake to have your nuclear warheads also look exactly like the controls to a ship i'm sure there's been some mistakes in the past (laughs) to disastrous results it is true everything is orb based their technology (laughs) it's an orb based society i know there's almost no reason to dig into the glaring mythology errors in this but i all i could think is just like how did you build this thing under this island i thought you guys were stranded on earth like are they not stranded on Earth? Do they have just access to limitless amounts of technology to build this command center? There's a lot of problems. What uh, what I like, though, is as soon as... What's his name? David? David and Rafe go down into the, the little secret laboratory or whatever you want to call it, command center. Almost immediately, there's a call. And he's like, oh, hey. And he starts talking to the guy, the alien ship that's calling. But what I like about that is... Have they just been calling that place constantly and no one's been picking up for it seemingly years and years? Yeah, I don't know. Like, It does imply that they've been in regular communication with Tyrusian, but why didn't... I, yeah, I don't understand. Like, none of it... Like, they seem to be stranded there, but also seem to be in perfect communication. All it is is someone went, wouldn't it be cool if in this cabin underneath there was this amazing technological room? That's basically all you need to know. It's like, does it make sense? No, but wouldn't it be cool? And as a kid, if I watched this, I'd say, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, uh, it, I mean... I guess so. It, it's it's kind of like, oh, look at all the technology. Look at this orb phone that's ringing. I hope they pick <laughs> it up. But Rafe essentially finally explains the whole, like, you're the son of an alien king thing to old David here. Like, he's from the Tri- Tyrusians, a 10,000-year-old civilization. Mm-hmm. And is that a long time? Is 10,000 years a long time? I couldn't decide. I mean, I guess if you're going an actual civilized, you know, uh, uh, recordable history, I suppose it's it's a long time. Yeah, I, at first I was like, whoa, 10,000 years. And then, then I started thinking about it. I'm like, wait, is is that a long time for civilization? I'm not sure. Either way, in the 10,000 years, they came up with the best technology ever, which is orbs. And David gets the Exitar, Jordan, your favorite. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and let me just make the note. For the first half of my notes, I referred to David as Johnny because I forgot his name. So all my notes are Johnny. Anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, so he gets the glove. It comes in like a case you would have like jewelry come in. Rafe opens it for him as if he's Richard Gere and uh, David or Johnny, whatever his name is. He's uh, Julia Roberts. And he gets the glove and he's like, oh, it fits perfectly. It's like suction to my hand. And then Rafe's like, yeah, it's, it, it's checked your biology and knows that you're the chosen one. If it wasn't you, it would have crushed your hand. And I was like, what? Yeah. Why would that have been a thing? It's uh, it's for royalty only. Right. And 800 of his ancestors have worn it. <laughs> it smells real bad. They've never cleaned it. They've never cleaned it. Well, you can't because if you were trying to clean it, it'd probably crush your hand. Um, and they do a little bit of uh, Exitar training with it where he takes them out to a piece of wood and he's like, chop this wood in half. Yeah, no, but he, you know, he doesn't say chop it in half. He's like, uh, uh, cut this beam. And then he tries to karate chop it. And he's like, no, 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 gently. And then he gently like slices <laughs> it like he's got a hot knife through a ice cream cake. Yeah, I guess we're learning how this Exitar finally works. It like just cuts through matter like somehow well it's funny because they do this this quick test so you can understand that later on johnny's gonna be able to use this glove but 
that's not what he uses the glove for at all. They show him being able to slice through things with it, but later on he's shooting lasers out of it, and like it seems to have super strength if you have it in your hand. I'm like, none of that was tested. He was just cutting logs. Listen, Jordan. All that matters is you cut a log, and it's so cool. You yell, Yosh! (laughs) You know what? I've changed my mind. I like Yosh as well. Is it Yosh or Yosh? What is it? (laughs) I don't know. Yosh, Yosh. I'm sure there's different dialects you can go either way. If you're you're from the southern region, you say Yosh. Um, but as they're on this island doing like uh, Mr. Mr. Miyagi training sessions, that uh, that weird band of uh, 80s blonde action hero twin ba- uh, alien bl- uh, bounty hunters, yeah. those, those weirdos from the second episode show up and they've been tracking them or something. There's a couple things I like. One, they seem like their design is to make them a little interesting and unique, but they don't use them at all. They're just like, oh yeah, they're two blondes with long hair. Anyways, but what I like is they track them immediately. So again, this hiding space was not a good hiding space because they know they're on the lake. They go to the one house that's on the lake. So the bad guys are like, yeah, I guess they're at the one house. But anyways, they have an interesting technology on the boat, which is, Luke, am I right? It's essentially a computer, but what the computer has is they like a Zoom or Skype to uh, old Leonard Nimoy to say, hey, by the way, we found the guys. But then they take a piece of paper, which is, I think, the photo, and they... Of Rafe, yeah. Of Rafe, and they, like, put it into the computer, which is essentially sort of like a fax. It goes in, but then just, like, gets faxed onto the screen of Nimoy. So it's like, they have a future technology, but uh, looking back from now, it seems a very odd technology. Yeah, you just, like, somehow shove a photo into your laptop... The laptop sends that photo to Leonard Nimoy in his office. Leonard Nimoy then morphs it on top of another photo of Rafe when Rafe had long hair. And he's just like, oh my god, it's Rafe. And I'm like, don't, you guys know that already. Like, what is happening? There's two things funny about that. The first being, yes, you know it's Rafe. That's why you're chasing him. There's no surprise there. That's literally why you're doing it. Uh, But then more importantly is that he has to confirm that because he got a haircut, it's the same guy. I'm like, have you noticed that he has gigantic eyeballs? That's the uh, the thing you should be looking at. Not that he has bangs in one photo. <laughs> yes, but basically what this is, is General Leonard Nimoy over at the White House is like, well, we found them. I'm going to send my uh, seal frogman team <laughs> into the lake to emerge and, I guess, go after David and Rafe. Luke, why did they have to go that way in the water? I don't know. They have cloaking de- personalized cloaking devices, so it seems like there's a few ways they can go. But I also, I just have so many questions. Like, General Nimoy has infiltrated the highest levels of the military. He has so many aliens in the military that he can have a separate squad of all alien Navy SEALs go on an explicitly alien mission covertly and no one will notice. How do they need an invasion? They've already invaded. (laughs) My thought was, what was the point of having these sort of Navy SEAL guys even show up? If you have so many resources... That seems like a slow way to get rid of these guys. Why not just fly a plane over and just drop a bomb on it? You clearly have access to planes. Well, they want David alive, I guess, to be their royal puppet, maybe? Okay, sure. I'll allow it. <laughs> He's chosen, Jordan. You can't kill him. <laughs> That's true. He's slicing cake perfectly with that glove in, in the cabin. I guess, yeah, what I keep tripping over is I'm just like, I think you guys have already taken over Earth. I don't understand what this invasion is for. Well, it is a good point, and not to, to belabor this too much, but in the second episode, there's going to be someone's going to say at one point, we have to have this underground layer to do our invasion properly. And I thought, why? You've already done it. It's all done. Like, 
is the idea you need different technology because you've already overtaken everything we have as humans. So what does it matter? Yeah, it does feel like they're already in every level of the military and probably the government. I just, I'm just like, I feel like you guys are 99% of the way there. You just got to like push it over the edge. Yeah, they're just not confident in what they've already done. They should sit back and go, you know what? We've done a pretty good job. We have already taken over. Anyway, this this alien SEAL team uprising the island. They, you know, they attack Rafe and David who get pinned down and it's looking very grim for them. But uh, thankfully, that Major Stark who found that alien skeleton two episodes ago somewhere... He's been also searching for them from the uh, old house implosion from yesterday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and they show up in their helicopter, and, and then it's a, another firefight. Yeah, the helicopter, which is also equipped with a Gatling gun and missiles. <laughs> There's a point I really like, though. The helicopter comes in and uh, sort of, I think they put some sort of light on the guys, because we should say the guys who came out of the water are invisible at this point. So they put a light on them, which I think overrides the technology so they can see them. Um, and they're just shooting down from the helicopter, and those guys are shooting back up at the helicopter. But the the leader of the bad guys, they're in the middle of a field with no cover, and they're just having a helicopter just rain bullets down on them. And the bad guy goes, stand your ground, everyone. And I thought, that's terrible advice. Why would you stand your <laughs> ground in the middle of a field with no cover? But anyway. I mean, they do end up retreating in the end, because the helicopter lands. General Stark, or Major Stark, is just like, who are you, Rafe and David? And then Rafe just explains the whole deal with, like, aliens and kings and invasions of Earth. And we basically cut away and come back, and uh, uh, this Major Stark character is just like, oh, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Um, Why don't you guys get on your alien spaceship and take off now that you've told me everything that's happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No Earthling they tell about what's happening is surprised or upset. No, everyone's just like, makes sense. You know what? That uh, That's the, the narrative I was hoping for. Yeah, and he just like lets these two aliens he just met just peace out on a spaceship. And that's where the episode ends, isn't it? Well, I mean, what we kind of get here is there's like a little uh, a little bit of the stakes we're learning at the end of the episode from old uh, General Nimoy. As you like to say, they've never been higher. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's back at his office in the White House, and he gets a call from that alien Air Force base in Utah. And when he picks it up, someone on, someone on the other side of the phone says, General, the weather front we've been tracking for years, well, guess what? We're now on 24-hour storm watch, and the meteorologist says, seek shelter. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's the secret message. Seek shelter. But, I mean, basically what that's saying is uh, the Grabbit's invasion force, it's close, and it's going to be up to old Rafe and David to stop them from invading the world. If you were old... Yosh! <laughs> Yosh! If you were Leonard Nimoy's character, whatever his name is, uh, uh, Johnny Johnny Three Times, he's there, and they go, hey, guys, just so you, just so you know... The ship is close. I just said, guys, I've been here since 1965. You've been saying this day after day, year after year. I don't know how close you are. He's been there forever. I just like there's this long weather metaphor they use to like imply that it's coming. The meteorologist says, seek shelter. Is that because they don't want anyone else to hear the message? Was that the point that was? I, th- I think that is it. This like It's all covert. Right. Although, if you were like listening on the phone, like let's just say the NSA has tapped this general's phone. And he gets this call, and this man just says all these words to him. They'd be like, yeah, that's clearly suspicious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The point is, the assault is going to happen. And what's the next episode? There's the IMDb summary for episode four. Invasion. I thought it was assault. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I wrote down as invasion, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's assault. I'll double check. I'll wait. Episode four is assault. Well, 
Jordan, I'm glad you looked because it would be terrible if we got that wrong. <laughs> so here's the IMDb summary for Assault. <laughs> no. You are not going. Come on, man. Those people took everything I loved. I understand that. The hell you do? It wasn't your mother they killed. David. I don't care what you say. I'm going. Listen to me. Blowing up the base will only delay the invasion, not stop it. This is just the first battle. Then we'll fight it together. David, I'm not counting on any of us coming back. What? You want to be a warrior. Then you have to learn to follow orders as well as give them. You will stay here and take command if I don't return. Me? What are you talking about? You were born to rule, David. You must be ready. David Carter and Rafe attack the underground base with the help of a Tarushan team. General Conrad tries to take matters into his own hands. This is a good episode if you wanted to know everything that works on the show and everything that doesn't work. I think this is the episode so far. Because if you like a lot of animated action and uh, shooting and fights and adventure this is the episode but if you want to understand what's happening or feel like the plot is progressing in any way this is also not the episode (laughs) yeah so uh basically what we come to learn here is that there's a massive invasion force gathered around the rings of saturn they'll be able to reach earth in five to six hours at tachyon Tachyon speed speed. yeah yeah, i enjoyed that did you like that tachyon speed i did i did like that too um and they're basically waiting for the all clear from that air force base in utah to to come in they're going to bring with them hundreds of shock troopers who will link up with the thousands of tyrusians already on earth for the invasion and again if you have thousands of tyrusians on earth what are a couple hundred more like what is stopping this invasion i know it's this weird thing that i wonder if even at the time people sort of felt this that the stakes don't feel like much at all there's no real tension there's no real um worry you're just like oh these two sides are gonna fight but i don't know anything about these sides or why i should feel one way or another like i don't even know why the bad guys are bad guys other than they tried getting rid of david's dad but maybe david's dad was a dickhead what do i know well they want to invade earth so we know why earthlings won't like them but who cares who cares they want to invade earth we're garbage. This is your preference. You prefer <laughs> aliens to invade. Well, more importantly, Rafe puts on face paint here. He's got his warrior paint. And did you catch what the face paint represents? Yes, the traditional Triushian war paint. Three colors he puts on, right? Three colors? Yeah, he puts black, which is what? The darkness within. Yeah, and gray represents what? The spirit of the warrior. And is the third color green? Is that what he puts on? Yeah, he puts green on as the final color. And why does he put that on? It's just his favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I saw that and I was like, I, I guess that was supposed to be funny? He's just such a scamp. You love him. You can't help but love him. Yeah. But what we the more important thing of the scene is David's like, I want to put on face paint. I want to go to battle. And Rafe essentially says, you can't come. And the major reason you can't come is because I don't think any of us are going to make it back. We're all going to go do this mission. We hope to succeed, but we will probably die in the process. And you need to go on and you have a greater purpose. Yeah, well, just for a little explanation around that is once David and Rafe in the last episode hooked up with that spaceship that was coming to get them, they were initially planning to return to Tyrusian and bring David home. But when they find out about this invasion force at Saturn, they're like, we've got to go destroy that Utah base to stop the invasion. Why that would stop it? Yeah, why that's going to stop it? Why is it needed? And also, they could have destroyed this any time in the last 40, 50 years. Well, they needed this cool SWAT, this cool team of uh, Tyrusians on this on this ship to help them. I guess. I guess. I guess. But yes, so he's got this whole team of people. They're going to go down. They're going to try to destroy this base. And 
if they don't make it, they need David to survive. Because as Rife puts it, if I don't come back, I need you to take command. I'm just like, David knows he's an alien for literally seven hours now. He shouldn't take command. Yeah, all David knows is how to do gymnastics and how to mope. That's it. <laughs> but yes, the the whole team does like an airdrop out of the, this one little alien ship they have down onto the base. And they got these cool back-mounted gliders. And they're wearing their awesome uh, orange wraparound sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, there was actually a scene where it was a really prominent shot of, I think it's Rafe putting on the sunglasses and they sort of like morph onto his face above his eyes and it looked pretty cool and then they had a shot of his viewpoint which i guess it was kind of a some sort of technology where he could see things but it didn't amount to anything nor was it used so i was like what am i supposed to have got from that yeah they they kind of sneak in slash invade the air force base and rafe makes his way down to the power core so he can set up a self-destruct sequence and basically destroy the base Luke, um, Luke what, why does every ship and base in the future have a self-destruct sequence? I wouldn't, if I was building a ship, I wouldn't build a self-destruct sequence. Why? But what if you need to blow it up real quickly? Well, why would I need to blow it up? Think of all the reasons. There's so many other ways of dealing with things other than just blowing it all up. I'm just saying that that's a real, that's a real loser's way of looking at it. <laughs> I mean, clearly, if you look around our, our world today, everything has a self-destruct button. So why wouldn't we have it in the future? Do we have a self-destruct button on everything? Does your computer have a self-destruct button? They've got that self-destruct app on my phone. Yeah, so, so it's, it's just weird. I don't know. It's just odd. I'm agreeing with you. And, and here's the thing. This is now, I think, the second thing we've seen in a row because we watched the other pilot, uh, uh, Melrose Place in Space. They also had a self-destruct sequence that also took forever. Everyone loves a self-destruct sequence. Eh. Nothing <laughs> builds tension. <laughs> well, and that's the problem. There's no tension in this because I don't know why they need to blow this place up. <laughs> well, this is all happening. Uh, old General Nimoy is, he's arrived at the Air Force Base. He's coordinating efforts to uh, get this invasion force to arrive. And when he kind of sees on his security cameras that Rafe's invaded, he's like, all right, we got to take a pause here. We got to stop Rafe from doing whatever he's doing in my thing, in my base, I guess. And the entire time this is happening, he's getting keeps getting calls from the dragon around Saturn, <laughs> and he's like keeps being like, "Hey, uh, Nimoy, can I uh, fly my ships in a tracheon speed already?" And and the general never tells him what's happening. He's just constantly stalling. He's like, uh, "Not yet, sir. We just need a couple more minutes here on the ground to uh, start your welcome party." It's it's like. It's like steamed hams. It's like Skinner has yeah. had uh, Chalmers come to dinner and something's going wrong, but he doesn't want to tell him what. And it was just so funny to me that General Nimoy just will never say, oh, we've got a problem on the ground. He's always like constantly stalling. Yeah, it was good. I think they should have leaned into this a little bit more. We would have learned more about his character. I agree. It would have been much funnier or more interesting just to have this general for constantly trying to stall the grab. He's just like, I'm like five or six hours away, man. Just give me the go ahead to land. He's like, yeah, uh, one one more minute. I just need to uh, make sure the ice is chilled for you. Wouldn't it be funny if that's the reason the invasion has taken so long because he's just constantly delaying it because there's these technical issues that he's working out all the time? <laughs> this has been like the last 50 years he's just like what is wrong i've been around saturn for 50 years why can't i land he's like oh just just two more minutes two more minutes and he's like it's just because his internet hub's gone down at any rate uh to to stop rafe nimoy sends out like hundreds of his soldiers who get mowed down he lets the manglers loose the manglers are now fighting this invasion force but nothing can stop rafe from starting this uh destruction did you notice though that the uh the team i don't know what they call the the team of good aliens do you notice they have laser guns 
And then they have swords. Don't you think the laser gun's enough? They all, we noticed that in the last episode too with his dad. Like he had that big machete sword that he was hacking people up with. They just, they're a big sword race. Mm, I guess. They're a real Klingon. <laughs> well, they're, they're a noble species. Exactly, exactly. Um, so things are going badly down there, but Rafe gets the self-destruction countdown started. He escapes the bad guys. He escapes the manglers, but there's no way out of this base for him. And we cut back up to the ship in orbit that David's been left with just some red-haired dude to babysit him. And Rafe is like, or no, sorry, David's just like, Rafe's not going to make it. I'm just going to pilot the ship down there and save him. And this alien who's left to babysit him is just like, no, you can't. You can't just take the ship. You don't know how to fly it. And David just yells at him. He's like, watch me. And then he flies the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's just, he's that kind of guy, you know, he's just, he just knows how to do stuff. And he's the chosen one. That means he knows how to do everything. And not only does he fly a ship, he flies it well. Well, as he says, as he's flying it, just like a video game. <laughs> I missed that. Is that what he said? Yeah. He's just like, oh, just like a video game. And that's just like, oh, of course. That's why he knows. I love the idea. And we've heard this many, many times. I love the idea when people try to make the argument that somehow the skills of playing a video game will translate to anything in life. I love it. I mean, that's how I learned to jump over all those pipes. <laughs> exactly. I like that this guy, this red-haired Tarusha, they left to babysit him. Like, one guy on the ship is left to babysit David. David flies down there to rescue Rafe. That guy is immediately exploded inside of the cockpit of that plane. That was literally my favorite part of the episode, is this guy is like, David, we can't go down there. It's dangerous. And David's like, I'll show you. And he flies down, and that guy explodes. And he's like, uh-oh, spaghetti-o. <laughs> I think the sequence is David flies down. David manages to shoot down one of the enemy planes in the base. And that red-haired guy's like so impressed. He's the, I think he actually yells, Yosh! Like he's so <laughs> impressed. And then literally as soon as he yells Yosh, he explodes. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're going to go, that's what you want to say as your battle cry. <laughs> anyway, David flies around, fights some ships. He picks up old Rafe in his, uh, in, his, in, in his plane to get him out of there. There's like a mangler jumps on. There's a... Rafe is mortally wounded. They throw the mangler off the plane. They fly out of the Air Force Base as it explodes in a really badly... Like, the combination of cell animation and... Yeah, it doesn't blend very well. Like, the Earth starts collapsing, and they, like, cut to this, like, really bad-looking Earth collapse in, like... It's like puzzle pieces falling apart. But the important thing is he gets out just in the nick of time. He now has another relative dying in front of him. Yeah, they crash. They crash. The the ship is damaged. They were on. It crashes. His poor friend Rafe is dying. And we think this is going to be it. But for some reason, by some random happenstance, General Nimoy has an emergency escape of ele- elevator in the middle of the desert that happens to pop up right next to them. I liked it because he also came out real casual. It just like it's like ding elevator opens. He comes out with a gun. He's like, oh, hey, guys, remember me? By the way, I'm going to shoot you. I'm also here. I'm also yeah, here. Yeah. He like. Pulls his gun out. This is, it's just so weird. It goes into slow motion. He's like, I'm going to shoot you now. The bullet like flies at David and his, I don't know, his stupid glove is able to just like (laughs) reflect it. And it like hits Nimoy in the shoulder. And then David runs over and like punches him in the face. Yeah. And then Nimoy runs away, gets into, gets into a plane that's just there. It's not even just a plane. We're in the middle of the desert next to nothing. The entire base is wiped out. He gets punched in the face and he runs 10 feet away and there is a stealth bomber (laughs) just parked at random in the middle of this desert that he gets in and just drives at them he doesn't really even take off he just kind of like 
drives the stealth bomber toward them. What I like, though, is we at this scene then, uh, so it's like, ooh, the tension. He's driving at top speed, hundreds of uh, uh, kilometers an hour at them. David's with Rafe, so he uses his glove as it's as the ship is coming at them to, I guess, pick up a rock like with his energy of his glove and throw it, which hits the plane and causes it to careen off and and smash and blow up. Is that what happens? I mean, that is, you're not wrong, but it's even dumber than that. Like Nimoy's flying the the stealth bomber directly at them. He picks up this rock and chucks it. The rock just like hits the window, uh, like it just hits the windshield, and the windshield cracks. And then Leonard Nimoy's like, and he like spins out of control himself. Well, that was going to be my point. If his strategy was just to mow them down and a little rock caused it to careen off and explode, what would have hitting them done? I mean, I guess it was a kamikaze move. Is that what the the idea was? I guess so. He was just so spooked by a rock hitting his windshield, (laughs) he just lost control. Right. It was my favorite part of the episode because it was like the most insanely comedic, unintentionally thing. It's like Nimoy gets out of an elevator randomly in the desert. He tries to shoot him. It doesn't work. So he runs 20 feet and gets in his stealth bomber that's parked nearby. I'm just like, what, what, what is happening here? It did really feel like they were like, we're short action for a couple minutes. Let's jam in three more things. I will say I was sad to see a General Nimoy explode and die. That's the last we'll be seeing of him. I think he's going to come back. You think he survived that massive explosion? I do. Uh, one can only hope. Anyway, let's go back. To- I'm on the invasion side, by the way. I, 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 I can tell. <laughs> Let's go back to David and old Rafe, who's dying on the ground. Um, Rafe, as he dies, gives David a locket that he's been carrying around. And inside the locket is a hologram of David's parents, Mm -hmm. which I was like, okay, but weird that, Rafe, you carry around a locket of David's parents. It's odd. An odd thing for you to have. Yeah. It almost feels like the reason he would have had it is because he also had feelings for David's mother or something. But that's not what they're implying. It's just that I think it's actually that... This thing is somehow actually connected to their souls or something um, because... How, how do you figure? Well, because later on when he dies and David buries him and he puts the uh, what do you call, little medallion necklace thing on the grave, it projects image and then he joins their, joins the picture. So there's the three of them. I thought it but was like his a... his dad's not dead. Huh? His dad's not dead. We don't know that. No, we do know that. He went back to like take over the planet. I thought I, I thought wasn't sure if he was dead or not. No, I don't. I don't think we're supposed to think he's dead. So I I don't think their souls are inside of that lock. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Anyways, who cares? <laughs> you do make a good point though, because yeah, he gives him this locket with this very meaningful like picture of his family in it. David then proceeds to bury Rafe when he dies, and then David just takes the locket he was just given by a dying man puts it on the grave and just walks away he just abandons the locket he was just given well because there's only people's souls in it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i was like rude that's a rude thing to get a gift just throw it away immediately what was uh his mom called a a rocker do you remember a rock hound yeah some rock hound is gonna come by and find that now it's gonna have the craziest technology hologram locket technology no they'd open up go like who are these people and then just throw it into the garbage They'd be like, oh, it's probably an alien invasion. Oh, well, who cares? Oh, well, it's going to take 50 years. Anyway, uh, that's what wraps the episode, except we get a, a, a brief jump back to what's up with the dragon as he's waiting for the go-ahead to come from Saturn to the Air Force Base. By the way, that's a better name for this show. What's up with the dragon? What's up with the dragon? <laughs> he gets he gets word that the Air Force Base has been destroyed, and we get another piece of alien slang here, I think. Oh, do we? Because he gets, he basically gets the call, and he's just like, "Oh, uh, that Air Force base we were going to land at has been exploded," and he just sits there. And he's just like, "Oh, shitty." 
<laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> Which I guess means, oh, darn it. And he just turns the invasion fleet around and goes home? Yeah. He's like, I guess we'll do a plan B or something. Let's just take this multi, multi-ship multi invasion force and go home. <laughs> it's because they keep saying they needed that base, but it's never been clear why and how that helps. But because they don't have this base now, the invasion is over. No wonder it's taken them so long to invade Earth. They have such they have they have armadas of ships. They mm-hmm. can use force powers. They have infiltrated thousands of their species into our planet. Why can't they do this? What is wrong with them? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I just get madder and madder. I'm just like, you guys have already won. Like your technology is so superior. What is taking so long? Yeah, but anyways, it's, it, what's taking so long is that they have uh, at least four more episodes. Four more. This is a 12-episode series, George. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is four episodes in. We are a third of the way through. Oh, my. This has a weird feeling of they're rushing but not getting anywhere. I also just, like, don't know what's going to happen next because where we've left David is everyone he knows is dead. All the aliens are dead. All the humans he knows are dead. He's in the middle of the desert. He has no alien technology, no knowledge of how to contact anyone ever again. Like, it's just over for David. He can't even get out of the desert. That's what I mean. It's just I'm just like, where is he going to go from here? I think they'll find a way to get him out, though. Don't you worry. Oh, I will worry all I like. Well, and that's it. That's the two episodes. That's it, Jordan. Shall we Shall we just get into rating them? I have no final notes. So. I don't either. I mean, what else is there to say? <laughs> all right, Jordan. What do you want to give the first episode, Flight? Again, it's very hard to rate these as solo episodes, but I think these two have had in terms of storytelling, more structural issues than even the previous two. I'm going to give this one a 4 out of 10. 4 out of 10. Very generous, I still feel like. You think so? I would say, I would say the biggest problem with Flight is it literally does not need to exist. Like, when we left them at the end of Episode 2, it was Rafe and David meeting at the house. All that happens in Episode 3 is they tell David he's an alien, and then they get on a plane to head home. You could have just had that happen at the end of Episode 2 or at the beginning of Episode 4, and we'd be in the same place. There's no, there's nothing that happens that is meaningful in episode two, other than them inventing the word Yosh. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there, there, you're right. There's no reason you couldn't re-edit all of these to just have one scene or a bit of voiceover that does the work of this whole episode. Yeah, so I'm going to give it a two solely for Yosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, one of my points was that that guy got shot in the face. Or was that in the next episode? Which guy got shot in the face? Oh, this is the second episode. I, sh- I shouldn't even have given it a four, but I'll, I'll stick with a four. <laughs> You'll stand by it. I'll stand by it. And then the rating for episode four, Invasion. I'm going to give this one a three, not because it's that much worse, but just because I feel like we're going over the same ground over and over and over. So my score is slowly dropping. So three out of ten. It's crazy that you went four to three because this episode is better than the last episode, if only at least because something's happening. <laughs> I think you're you're not necessarily wrong as in an episode, but I'm now it's I'm treating this as one long thing. So the more bored I get, the lower this rating goes. No, I yeah I would say this is a better episode, if not by huge degrees, but like at least something happened, a plot point moved forward is they attacked that base. Did it? Was it all that interesting? Not really. But for that ending bit where Leonard Nimoy has the most insane <laughs> confrontation, I like for me that was at least something. So I'm gonna give this one a three. Well, we were on the same there. Three. I'm more complaining about your four for the last one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what was what was that expression the guy had at the end of the episode? Not Yosh, but the other thing. 
Oh, shaddy. Oh, shaddy. I think that's what it was. I hope it's true. <laughs> I do like, though, that your whole plan now is, irregardless of what happens in any episode, you're just going to go down one point, but you still have, like, six more to go, so you'll be into the negatives in no time. Well, hey, you never know. Maybe they're going to really uh, uh, pick it up. Maybe they're going to go into space, and uh, something exciting is going to happen. I mean, I think based on the number of episodes they have, we're going to get to Tyrusian at oh, I some think so. point. Yeah, and everyone's just going to be like, yosh, yosh, yosh. Oh, shaddy. Oh, shaddy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, that wraps it up for this episode. If uh, you want to s- email us for some reason, you can yeah. get us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. Don't bother. And of course, and of course, <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter, we're going to have some clips from the show. So you can follow us at continuumdrag on both those platforms. But uh, that wraps it up. Thanks for joining us, uh, listener. And Jordan, I'll see you next week. Yosh, 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 yosh. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler, produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.